Hi, I'm Ginny. And I'm Erica. And we are the Irreverence. Erica, tell us where you're from and uh, tell us something about you. Something about me. I grew up in Texas. I come from the... Which would explain why you sometimes greet people with howdy. I do sometimes greet people with howdy. Right. That's true. I also have a difficulty, as my husband likes to point out, on a almost daily basis, saying your name, Ginny, because Um, that E-I, like, vowel shift, like, I literally can't hear the difference. Oh, so you want to call me Jenny? I think I, it always sounds the same. They also, I say Ginny, but he says that's wrong. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, so, so it's, I get a, it. it's it's a, like Megan. It's a Texas Megan. thing. Yeah, the area it. that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in Texas, but that's not where you're where you no. live now. No, I mean, now you live in Virginia. Now in Virginia, but mm-hmm. was in Detroit. So I hail from the diocese of Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she is with us at St. John's as our seminarian, and I, you and I thought it would be super cool for you to learn something about podcasting. Yeah. And so I'm learning. Here you are. Learning. Co-hosting with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I promised Becky Zartman, but then I promptly did not line it up with Becky Zartman. And so Becky, if you're listening, we'll see you next week. Um, so welcome to the Irreverence. This week, our Hebrew Bible lesson is from the book of Jonah, the guy who gets stuck in the fish. Stuck in the fish. Yeah, but that's not the story. No. Yet. So, no. um, we get so do after. you, we do, we get after. So do you want to, um, do you want to read Jonah or do you want to read the gospel? You can pick. I read Jonah. Okay. Like so that. dramatic reading of Jonah. Oh, here we are. And, um, tell us what the lesson is, you know, like give us a citation. So that our friends oh, they know. Can, so. carry, can follow along. That's right. You can follow along <laughs> in your Bible. Crack over that Bible. <laughs> To Jonah 3. Right. Though let the record reflect, we also include a link, a a helpful link to the lectionary page. But like finding where these things land in the Bible, not so easy. Mm -mm. Take you a few minutes to find that Jonah. It can, unless you did like sword drills, if you grew up in that vein. So I didn't even know what Mm. a sword, like I went to seminary and people said something about sword drills as if, I'm like what is that like throwing axes like throwing sword what does that have to do what is tell our listeners some of whom did not grow up with that sort of thing what is a sword drill it's it's like a race that kids would do to find sections in the Bible. So you like whip out your Bible and find the verse and first one. <laughs> this is not what I grew up with. <laughs> to get there yeah. wins. Okay, but you don't yeah. win a sword. Like the idea no. is you, what does I think, the sword have to do with it? I mean, I'm guessing like the word of God is like the sword. Like Oh, a, okay. That's hilarious. So you actually did this as a kid growing up? A little bit. Would, yeah. What were the prizes? I like a lot of it was bragging right I mean like you get competitive like I can cherry pick that verse faster than you can Um, this is not something I grew up with but you learn the bible that way and where things land right like where they are mm -hmm, it's a fun way yeah that's that's a fun way so to learn the bible so on the one hand then there is Erica who went to seminary knowing the bible and then there was me who went to seminary, and I could tell you the four Gospelers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but 
I could not really have told you for sure whether Jonah was in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Hmm. I really could not have done that. No. Um, so I don't think I would have done very well in those mm. sword drills. You'd catch on fast. I could, I'm, you know, a smart girl. You are. But <laughs> this is not something I grew up with. All right. So, yeah, Robert, my friend, since you mm. actually ever did sword drills, I invite you to share with us um, this reading from Jonah. Yeah. Jonah 3, 1 through 5, and verse 10. And just randomly. Just verse 10. Just we don't 10. really Completely like 6 through 9. Completely skip them. They have nothing to do with you. We don't nothing need it. Nothing to see here, folks. Okay. Mm-mm. No, we don't need it for today. <laughs> Not talking about that. Uh, oh, my God. It totally makes me want to go and see. What, what do they think is not for me? Yeah, if I don't know. If only I had a Bible in this office. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying... Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim it to the proclaim it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Here ends the reading. So what happens before this? Is that God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he doesn't want to go. Right. He goes the other way. Because Nineveh is an awful place. When Jonah goes the other way, of course, he goes in a ship because yeah. he's like, i got to sail away. Mm-hmm. And the ship like is stormy-tossed, and they toss him over, and he gets swallowed and barfed up on the beach. Mm-hmm. Jonah is the most pathetic hero here, like dragging his toes through the city. He only goes a third of the way. He doesn't even mention God. Like when he proclaims something, it feels like the most uh, halfway done proclamation ever. Like I almost wanted him to be like, Ugh, 40 more days, yeah. like, eye roll, right. Nineveh shall be overthrown, whatever, yes. and walk out. Yes. Well, <laughs> because that's, like, completely... First of all, he hasn't wanted to go. He tried to get out of it. God found him, swallowed him in a mm-hmm. whale or a fish, barfs him up on the beach. He's so pissed that he has to go. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, you know, you and I are moms. Mm-hmm. We know this. Yeah. Like, this is the... I'm doing it, but you can't make me like it. Mm-hmm. You can't make me no. enjo- like I'm doing it. Like this is malicious compliance. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But then I love this. The people of Nineveh believed and proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. <laughs> How do they even know, I know. that it's like God? But, well, Right. Because I mean, these then, are not Jewish people. These, this is not, I mean, right? this is completely Gentile. And it will be overthrown by whom? You're right. He doesn't even mention God. No, it's not. They have no idea. Like, how do they and know? And they don't know. Why? Because they 
are the faithful ones in this. They are the ones with the imagination. They are the ones who've been yearning to hear from God. So Jonah, is it right after this that he's like all pissed off and he goes out into the desert and he says, I just want to die because yeah. you were right? <laughs> yes. He's, he's like, I am so angry yes. that you've, you actually, like, they have changed. They've listened. You've saved them. Right. And why couldn't you just kill them? Kill me. So well, kill me, kill them, and then he kill me. Yeah, and kill me because I don't want to see this. Right. Yeah. So, so he makes the shade. Yeah. So there's exactly. something about this that reminds that's so human naturey, mm-hmm. which is the grudging, malicious compliance. Mm-hmm. Then the complete astonishment that it works, and then his like little pity party. Right. This is so human. We. Love the idea, I think, of God hating the same people we hate. Mm-hmm. And when God is like, no, I actually love people, it is just, there's just nothing so infuriating. It, when it's the people that you, that don't, you don't want like. them to love. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, miserable mm. sinners. Yeah. Miserable sinners. But like, you see it, that God calls this the great city. The great city. And, and you know that Jonah is just rolling his eyes. Great city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I just, this is just such a funny human story. Mm -hmm. And I love the people, everyone, great and small, putting on sackcloth. Right. Like they write, they're... They just know. I know. So this is one of those, you know, in general, the Hebrew Bible has the insiders and the outsiders. Mm -hmm. The Israelites, the Jewish people, and then the people who are... Gentiles who are outside of God's covenant, which right. is why he doesn't want to go here. Right. This is a sign. The Hebrew Bible is not just that only the Jewish people are loved by God, because remember, it starts where everyone is made in God's image. Right. And God says it is all good. Mm-hmm. There is a covenant with the people, with the people of Abraham. Right. But here, God is trying to push. Jonah and the love of God visibly outside of that to tell the people of Nineveh, you've been terrible and you need to repent mm-hmm. and otherwise you're going to be destroyed. And they listened. I know. I, I love that Jonah does a really crappy job yes. of doing God's work and yet it doesn't oh. stop God moving. Like, right. Like somehow we always tell ourselves that like God need like God, God needs, needs us, us to be uh, to be amazing. Right, needs us to be amazing. And so there's something really right. lovely about like there you can is. really love it and still like you can do <laughs> such a bad job. God still moves. Well, including even if you run away from God, God's not always going to swallow you in a fish and barf you up on the beach. Mm-hmm. But God's still going to use you. Right. Not in the bad way, but God can still use you. Mm-hmm. And God loves Jonah and takes care of Jonah in this. And he's like, Jonah, I get it. You don't want to go, but you need to go. Right. They need to hear this from someone. Mm-hmm. And they needed to hear it. They need to hear it from you. Right. But I love, you know, there are things that make us think in, in the culture, not just as church workers. Right. right? But the culture makes you think you got to be great. You've got to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where, you know what? You don't have to be amazing. Just go. Just show up. Right. And yeah. God will do what God needs to do. And people will be saved. And sometimes people people will hear you 
will hear joy and hope in your message, even if you're not sure what you're preaching. Oh, my God. How many times does that apply to preachers, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, you preach one thing, and then somebody comes up to you, and they say, I heard, and then fill in the blank, and it's and absolutely not it, nothing right? that you said, and you're like, oh, that's oh right. I'm so glad you wonderful. got that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. But that's a sign that you just have to show up. Mm-hmm. You just have to, in good faith, mm-hmm. show up. Mm-hmm. And God is at work. Like, what people hear and how they respond is not something you can control. No. No, you just say your message. And in the case of Jonah, it doesn't... It's even, it doesn't oh even God, have to 40 be good. days more, and Nineveh shall be... Although they do give an exclamation point. They're, yeah. He cried out. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But you're right; he doesn't mention God. I never, no. I never noticed that. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Yeah. Okay. One other thing I think is important to note here, and it's not. This is not an isolated incident. Yeah. God changes God's mind. I love this. I know. Like so right? much. Because it's, you're right, it's not isolated, but sometimes yeah. it's like just under, like it's not yeah. so like it black say, and white. God right. changed his mind. Right. Right. Well, one yeah. of the places we think about this, one of the, one of the really obvious ones mm-hmm. is when Abraham argues with God yeah. about destroying Sodom mm-hmm. and says... God says, I'm going to destroy it. And Mm -hmm. Abraham says, well, but if there were 50 righteous men, would you? Okay, not 50. How about 20? Okay, not 20. How about Mm -hmm. 10? Okay, not 10. But that's enough. Like God Mm -hmm. says, that stop. You know, he literally bargains with God. Mm -hmm. So that's an obvious place. But you're right. There are other places where God, in fact, the whole prophetic witness is the prophet saying, if you change your mind, if you don't change your mind, if you don't change your behavior, bad things are going to happen. All of it implies that if you do change, God will change his mind about what's happening here. Right. But there is a whole strand of Christianity that is not okay. Not just Christianity, but a mm-hmm. religion that follows this one God that is very uncomfortable with the idea of God changing God's mind. Right. Yes. That... Everything is predestined. Everything has to be this certain way. And that the idea of God changing God's mind gives us power. Hmm. And I don't think so. I think it's just that God can do what God wants. And when God sees humankind doing their best, Mm -hmm. God's mercy just can't help it. Mm -hmm. And... I, so I love this, and it literally says, although I don't know the Hebrew here, but God changed God's mind. Mm-hmm. But the whole story is about God changing God's mind, because they only had 40 days. Right. Three of them he needed to take getting across the city, although he only, he only goes go one day away. Man, that word spread, right? Yeah. <laughs> he goes one day in. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just one day in mm-hmm. for a three-day city. And it spreads, and everybody... You just got to love these people, great and small. Right? Yeah. He didn't even mention God, Mm-mm. but they believed God. I know. I know. It's really... And here's another, like, just thing about the Hebrew Bible. You are you are invited to notice, notice that he doesn't mention God's name, and yet the people hear God in it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not just an oversight. 
right. you are invited to notice that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's meaningful. And it makes me wonder, when have I not seen God at work when God's been at work? Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm. that's that's really a big part of what I feel like my job is as a priest, is to teach people, to help people have eyes to see and ears to hear, which is such a repeated theme in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Jonah was the one that didn't want to hear what God was saying. But the people of Nineveh, mm-hmm. they just needed this one little guy to come. And mm-hmm. they heard God in it. And that's really meaningful. Where did you say this was? So Nineveh, Nineveh. is the capital of Assyria. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know the timeline, like, but Assyria and mm-hmm. the Israelites, they don't have necessarily like a no, great a history. Great relationship. Right? Right. That's not so I mean there's like there's perhaps so I wonder where that is today. Like, Here's what Google says. But I can't. The ruins of Nineveh today mm-hmm. are located near the city of Mosul in Iraq. There you go. It is one of the most important historic centers of civilization in the world. So this is important. That God, this really important city at the time, Mm -hmm. God was like, how dare you ignore this really important city? Mm -hmm. Those people need to hear about me. Mm -hmm. And to be, and to like have accountability. Right. Right. Not just here. Right. Because they're, they're going the wrong way and we need to get them back on. Well, in fact, accountability implies real relationship, not just Mm. superficial. Accountability implies reciprocity. I mean, and, 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 but they respond like there's accountability. Like they know even when Jonah doesn't say there's God. In fact, he doesn't come with good news. What he comes with is something that's much deeper, which is, which is accountability. And accountability implies something much more. Like if you're going to be accountable and put on sackcloth and believe God in this, that actually implies a whole lot more on the part of those Nineveh people, those Ninevites, mm-hmm. than just some sort of superficial awareness of the God of the Israelites that they instead really understand this God's power and their complicity in having gone against it. The fact that they're willing to change their ways. Right. Thank you for mentioning that accountability. That's big. And that's God saying the whole world belongs to me Mm -hmm. and we belong to each other. Right. Jonah doesn't even give them hope. I mean, like, like they fast. Like, like they don't even know, like, there's a clause, like an out clause, right? right like, right, if right, you right. do these things, right. then we can change. He doesn't give he, 40 days. Like, he's just like, this is happening. Because that's what he thinks. Mm-hmm. That's why he didn't want to go. No hope. Right. You're dying. Wow. So that's another thing, Erica. When do we refuse to see hope? Mm-hmm. And how, how shallow of Jonah... To not believe that all things are possible with God. See, I wonder though, I think if I, I might be wrong, at the very beginning of the Jonah story, like that was the reason that Jonah doesn't want to go because he knows that God will save them. Like he knows they will be saved. Right. And he's mad. And he's mad because he doesn't want them to be saved. They deserve death. And so he doesn't want to tell them. He doesn't want to give them anything. And you can see it here. You know, he's he's doing it, but... 
I'm gonna. You're and destroyed. He doesn't give them any hope. You're right. He no doesn't hope. say. You're just being destroyed. And if you mm-hmm. repent, mm-hmm. no, no call to repentance. So then, this makes me think uh, Jonah is just even more like us. Mm-hmm. And when I, she says to herself, um, "We don't." want to see or hear hope you know everybody always goes to when they when they ask me you know i have confessed that i'm a hopeful universalist and they go right to hitler (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. or there are there are modern counterparts Mm -hmm. yeah suggest right like putin Mm -hmm. for example they go right there and i am not saying that i don't think there's judgment Right. But why must I believe that there are people outside the realm of possibility for God to heal them and make them whole and hold them accountable and Yeah, and for them to know in like this moment that everything they've actually done. I mean, we want them to punish and suffer. Right. But there is great there is great discomfort, even more than that. Um, suffering and really knowing what you have done Done. and then having to accept the love and forgiveness from God. I mean, like that is painful. Painful. That is not easy. That's the kind of burning. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. You know, I have sometimes told a story about a time that, um, I got in trouble with my grandma Mm -hmm. And I was convinced that my grandma, my grandma made everybody think they were her favorite, right? <laughs> and and so I got in trouble, and my sister was like, Grandma wants to see you. And I just started absolutely sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Mm. And not because I thought Grandma was going to beat me mm. or anything. It was because Grandma saw me for who I really was, which was a mm. little bratty girl who called her sister a bitch. Um, <laughs> my shame burned. Mm-hmm. And my fear was, Grandma will see me for who I really am. Mm -hmm. And what I got was complete love and acceptance, but still accountability. Mm -hmm. And that was hard, hard to comprehend, hard to take, but that... That painfulness was realizing my own shame at what I had done. Hmm. And so I think there really, I think there is accountability and judgment for sure. And I think that burning is, is that deep awareness of the way you have hurt others and hurt God Mm -hmm. and hurt yourself and fooled yourself. Right. And that is not being punished by God. That is just the coming into awareness. The fullness. Right. And realization of what really is. Right. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's that's all present here in this story. Mm -hmm. Let's let's see if the gospel has anything to offer us today. Yeah. I'm sure it will. That was silly. Okay. I'll read the gospel. And the gospel this week is from Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. 
and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went a little further, farther. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And here ends the lesson. And for the first time, I have thought that this statement of Jesus here is like what you would imagine Jonah could have been saying to the Ninevites if he cared. Hmm. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Mm-hmm. So this is the the beginning of Jesus's ministry in the Gospel of Mark. Yes. Um, so John has been arrested. We later learn he gets beheaded. Right. Um, and Jesus is now calling his disciples. And he calls these two sets of brothers who are fishermen and tells them he'll make them fish for people. And if you hear things in the background, it's our preschool letting out. This is like the opening scenes in a movie or something where you're sort of getting the backstory where he's gathering up his his guys. He's creating the posse, right? I love that. I love that you said it's like a movie because uh, one of the professors that I have of New Testament, mm-hmm. Dr. Greep, she likes to point out that Mark is written like a movie. Oh yeah, and you have to like yeah. yeah, you have to like see it in like movie shots. So well, and they do yes. change. They do so change much. the scenes immediately. Immediately. There it is. Um, yeah. So this is where he's gathering up his posse. Yes. And part of what you're meant to notice is that there's something about Jesus and or the disciples. Either it's Jesus is so personally compelling. Yes. That they just immediately leave. Right. Or they are so faithful that they just perceive that this is unlike any other opportunity and they just go. And I think we're meant to think the latter. Like that's mostly what people preach on about these is like their faith. And yet, I don't know, as a mom of two sons, I'm just there with Zebedee in the boat. Like, what? Where are you going? What about the family business? Where are you going? You know, like, yes. I one of the reasons I struggle to to preach these ser- these stories is we're totally meant to go a certain way. We're meant to just follow along with the disciples, right? Yes. And yet I just still think about the people they left behind. How is their family going to friends? Mary right? married. Yeah, what do their wives think? Right. Yeah. I mean the, the only person we See is Zebedee, right? And he's named, just and that's there. a deal, right? I'm just reluctant to just automatically go along with what are we supposed to think about these disciples, and instead think about what they're giving up, and and what about the people around them? They don't know anything about Jesus yet. Mm-hmm. They don't live in a time when they're expecting anything. They're, they're not expecting God to act in miracles or something right now. And and so Jesus says, follow me. And they're like, well, who is this guy? Can you, you imagine know? all of the conversations that happen behind like closed doors? Yeah. With, uh, with, with the families. Yeah. That leads me to just think Jesus must have been just so compelled. I mean, because if Jesus really is the, the son of God, mm-hmm. 
there must have just been something incredibly compelling about him. And so maybe Zebedee would be like, yeah, I'd follow him if I wasn't so old. But he didn't call Zebedee, so... Or maybe we it's something that's happening, like what happened to the Ninevites, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it wasn't right. even the message, right? Like, God's spirit moved, and the people... They believed God. He didn't even believed. mention God. And right, yeah. and, and they believed. And so maybe, like, we so quickly think Jesus must have been... I mean, I'm sure he was very charismatic. People sure. followed. Right. Well, of course that. Not saying that. Right. But, I mean, like, perhaps. Perhaps it's one of those moments where, like, yeah. just, like, the spirit burns and that. they just know. Like, they know this is it. And I can't explain well, here why. I am willing to give the Ninevites all this credit. And yet, I'm just not... Yeah, I'm just not so willing to give the disciples. But also then, yeah. repeatedly in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples are not the sharpest tools in the They're shed. No. Right? So yeah. I think that also informs my assessment. Yeah, Mark's not super kind no. to the disciples. It constantly, if you read the Gospel of yeah. Mark, it's the shortest one. So if you want to read it, you can read it in a sitting. Oh, yeah. Um, constantly, the disciples don't get what... They don't pick up what Jesus is putting down. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Um, but I, here I was, all willing to say the Ninevites are willing to see mm-hmm. and hear God, and I'm not extending the same to to the same benefit to the disciples. Yeah. And there is something about them. And I will make you fish for people. Yeah, like you think of the people in the nets. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, mm. um, but I do like that it's not like. Like, Jesus doesn't, like, suggest that he's going to, like, throw them out, that they have to figure this out, but it's something he's going to teach them. Like, they don't right. have to yeah, know yeah. it, right? right? Like, it's, right. it'll be a learned skill. It's, uh, they just have to show up. Right. And then the rest will come. Well, and he does right. say, the kingdom of God has come near. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is enti- an enticing, like, also, like a teaser. What do you mean by that? Like, that's interesting. I mean, I I do think he plants these seeds that are sort right. of compelling, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, we know that much follows. Um, and this is just the right. Uh, this is just the not the. It's this is just the early beginning story. It is. You know. Yeah. Okay, why don't we do Electio Divina? And I had said, like, as our guest host, uh, you can pick a phrase, a sentence, uh, something from either lesson that you would like us to dig into a little. So, Erica, what have you chosen for our Lectio? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Okay, so the first question, one of the first steps of Lectio is actually to read something several times. So we've done that. Um, So then we ask ourselves, what bubbles up for us? So for me, it's the kingdom of God has come near. Um, Literally, it has come near because Jesus has come near them. Mm -hmm. And I know that at other times in the gospel, 
Jesus says to people, if you knew who you were speaking to, mm. you know, or if you understood who my father was, it just occurred to me that he is actually speaking in in two ways here. He's meaning both literally, I represent the kingdom of God and I have come near to you, physically, tangibly, but also in this more cosmic way, the kingdom of God is close to being fulfilled. Right. Well, it says the time is fulfilled. And so like, what time is that? Right. The time is fulfilled. Yeah, the time. <laughs> like, right. And then time. Like, how does God count time? Like, what kinds of times are we talking about? And it makes me think about, like, when Jesus is on the cross and he says, it is finished. Oh, yeah. What is finished? Right. Yeah. What is finished? And, like, just, I guess, yeah. maybe those two, like, F words. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, finished and fulfilled. Which mean very different things, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, one is just ended and one is... Completed? Com- right. It's, like, whole. Mm-hmm. So when you ask... What time, yeah. and what does time mean to God? I feel like, to God, time is undescribable, but there certainly is a sense of a narrative unfolding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily linear because we see patterns that repeat, right. like Jonah and there are other times where God changes God's mind. That's just one of the things we talked about. Mm-hmm. But there certainly is a sense of before Jesus and the Old Testament prophets and the narrative, the defining narrative of God's people, which is being rescued from slavery under Egypt in Egypt. So it's not that there is no sense of thing something happening before or to, or something unfolding mm-hmm. but holy moly do you get the sense that here time means cosmic time for us 2000 years later looking back on Jesus saying the time is fulfilled by which now even 2000 years later we measure time by before Jesus and after Jesus right true um that was a a mark in what however other way god measures time jesus breaking into the world is a definitive moment and this is one of those things where you wonder if jesus really knew what he was saying fully mm-hmm. so another step in lectio we've unpacked it a bit so that would be another like what bubbles up for you when we've unpacked it and the mm-hmm. last one we open up to the all the readings of the day. The last step in Lectio is what does this call you to? And we, at, on, on the irreverence, think of it as what does this call you to bless? Is there something that occurs to you in the stories we've talked about today that a people, a group of people, a person, a situation something that you'd like to bless I have one go since you know Zebedee Zebedee first of all this is totally my husband's in my generation too like the empty nesters Mm -hmm. but it's I want to 
say a blessing for anybody whose people they love are leaving them Mm. for adventure, college, kindergarten, um, marriage, something bigger. It's a very hard thing. It's what you yearn for and you and you dread. So that's my blessing is for all the Zebedees of the world. Hmm. About you. I think a blessing for all the Jonas in the sense mm. that the people who are just so sure mm-hmm. they know the way mm. and that it's their way. Just and bless, they're really like, well-meaning and faithful. So much, right? Right. Yeah. Jonah's not. No. Yeah. Jonah's faithful and good and and right that the Ninevites are just sinning terribly. But it's his vision's too small. I know. It's just too small. So bless those people. Because uh, gosh, right. we don't get to the other side. We don't expand our vision without some blessing. Some like. God working. Yeah, or God's going to barf us up on a beach. <laughs> Thank God for <laughs> God's persistence. Right, right. Yeah, may you not be barfed up on a beach. May you mm. fi- expand your vision in some more gen- gentle way. Mm-hmm. Well, Erica, thank you for... See, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't. Right? It wasn't. No, um, only slightly nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, we're glad you joined us, and Erica will be with us for a few weeks, um, and then maybe otherwise, other duties as assigned. Um, but yeah. we're glad you, you're with us this week. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, tell a friend. If you think what we do is worth uh, listening, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate us, because that'll help other people find us. And uh We'll see you next week. So is there some sort of Texas way that's the opposite of howdy, like when you say goodbye to somebody? Just goodbye. Oh. (laughs) See you later. See you later. All right. See you later. See you later. All right. Bye now. Here, I'm going to Google it. It's not like Michigan. I can't, you know, it's very frustrating. (laughs) You know, when it's Michigan, I can be, it's like right here. And I can give you my little mitten hand and I can point. Right, right, right. Let the record reflect that is exactly what she's doing right now. Right.